yeah, yeah. still popular. Like I said, I, didn't, I thought his brand of humor kind of died in 2010. I mean, uh, he's doing a lot of I, stuff. I like, like, even, I think the This Is 40 movie was kind of funny in certain, like, aspects but the majority of it was this is 40 was weird yeah it, it was, was very sad was super uncomfortable yeah it, like, but, majority of it. but the reason why i think it was super uncomfortable because it, it felt more of like a realistic approach of oh this that's what people really go through yeah it seems like it seems like they're they're all kind of hitting an age where like they have more important stuff than to be making poop jokes all the time and like it's kind of coming through in their comedy that they're not like and i don't know if they've quite figured out how to deal with that but, I mean, who doesn't like poop jokes? Everyone does. You're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the Down Front Podcast. How's it going, guys? Good. Oh, good. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for uh, hanging out with us on this... Uh, the weather has been very odd here in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. It's like a cold 50 yeah. degrees. I wore shorts today. I wore shorts and a tank top just to fuck with people. And uh, I got a lot of looks. Man, I, I did mean, not I wear pants today. you get that usually. Yeah. Are you wearing shorts right now? No, I've been I've been pretty good. I've been wearing pants. Man, the times have changed. I know. I, I grew <laughs> up. I grew up. Well, let's go around. We're going to do a bit of a roundtable because I know for everybody, you know, the Ryan Dowles and the Derek songs out there, there's this weird, awkward voice that we maybe knew here. So let's do a bit of a roundtable, trying to take a peek and see how some of my best friends is here and what they're drinking. And then we're all going to get into a discussion about our feature title, which is Logan. Um, the new install, the newest installment of the Wolverine Saga series of the character of Hugh Jackman. The so. last installment. Last. I I held off of saying last because it all depends on where the money is. Money talks. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm, and I'm serious because it was so good. It was like, well, if you could do that, why just, can't you just do that again? And they probably will. We'll see. I don't know if this is going to be his last time as, he, as it, because they could also go into the past and do some shit. Well, they're going to recast Wolverine. Yeah, they'll just recast Wolverine. I, I mean, I'd say it's the last yeah. of his. Could Wolverine be a black guy? Maybe. Could. It's 2017. Wolverine can be anybody you want. All right. <laughs> I'm here with As my, long as he's Canadian. I'm here with my good friend, my uh, audio engineer. Uh, his name is uh, Mr. Michael Blewett. So, oh, what's happening? How's it going, man? Oh, good. Good to see you. We uh, we, we hang out earlier this week, and I was really excited. What, why are you looking at me like that? That's oh, I feel like you're looking at me kind of weird, too. Uh, so we're just, you know, okay. making eyes that no one can see. Fair enough. Well, I mean, he can see it. Well, I they can too, but anyone who's listening <laughs> to this can't really... It's an audio podcast. Yeah, they can't really, like, see the... Sexual tension. Uh, what you uh, what you uh, sipping over there? I got a Blue Point toasted lager. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty solid. Yeah, I like it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, anything anything crazy you want to chat before we uh, move on? No. All right. Uh, I'm here with uh, my my other friend who uh, kept me very enthused over the huge debacle of PSG and uh, Barcelona. Yeah, that was crazy. Right. Yeah, that was nuts. I was, I didn't believe that they were actually going to do it, but I was like, you know what? Messi may have the best game of his life and pull it off, and they pulled it off, even though there might have been some favoritism among the rest. Kind of like the Patriots and the Falcons. How's it going, Brian? Good to see you. <laughs> oh, shit. Good. How's it going? Come back, bros. Hey, I'm fine uh, with that. Good man, good man. Uh, what you, uh, what, what, you, uh, what's that uh, delicious nectar that looks like you're sipping on over there? So... Um, we have been searching long and far for the limited edition Apothic Rosé mm. that the Friends with Blends Twitter feed and website 
has been speaking about highly, and Ooh. this is very awesome. There's something about Apothic wine that it's always really smooth, and they have that right balance of flavors in it. This has a little watermelon in it. I love watermelon. So, right up my alley. Haven't really had a rosé before, but I would definitely drink this again. I'll sip to that. And um, last time we did do this one, we actually did have a rosé. So, yeah. but a, we had the rosé from the can. Well, we had the can rosé from what was it like, Smart Monkey Emporium or whatever. So, it was good. It was good. But this is uh, this is good. Well, and I'll chat about it a little bit. So I will sip to that and say thank you so much, Brown. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and I have my, uh, my the man, the myth, the legend, Mister. Jesse Kendrick Lamar ran. How's it going? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, what's up? What you what you sipping on? Tell me about this um, concoction. Thank you, Warren, for grabbing at me this night. But I'm drinking my typical Arizona watermelon iced tea. The price is on the can. The price is on the can. Ninety nine cents. Can't go wrong. <laughs> the price is on the can. I have my friend, the good old Mike Mocha Mike. How's it going, man? It's going well. It's going well. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course, uh, of course. Exciting times. Thanks for joining us. I'm in the world. I'm on my first podcast. I mean, I would say this is probably the best podcast to be on, so thank you so much for that. (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, introduce yourself to the actual guests, introduce you to the fan, talks about like what makes you like an actual fan or nerd, and really kind of get into it as much as possible. Yeah, sure. So, uh, again, my name is Mocha Mike. I'm coming to you guys from Brooklyn, New York, via Skype. Um, I am a pretty big nerd in general. I feel like I've always like loved geeky nerdy things, um, especially comics. You know, comics, I, I literally grew up with. My brothers were big X-Men fans when I was too little to buy my own books. And so I used to read tons and tons of X-Men comics from back in the ni- back in the nineties, um, but also like Spider-Man, everything else Marvel. I just ate it all up, um, and that hasn't left me at all. I still get super excited for any MCU movie that comes out, any of the TV shows, um, big in video games like uh, manga, like pretty much everything that you could really enjoy as a nerd. So, uh, so I think that 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 brings my credit up a little bit for this conversation. All right, nice. I was saying thanks for having me. Um, like thanks for definitely kind of coming on. Uh, and I guess overall, because we've been doing this, we've been talking, seeing these all beautiful faces all um, almost every week that we can do this right now. What is your feel of the actual movies that's happening for right now for this year, and especially for last year? Because some argues that that last year may have been like the best, not just you know um, you know nerdy and geeky and like sort of superhero movies, but movies as a whole. A lot of people like really look at it and says like you know. 2016 may be the golden year of movies, so how would you necessarily kind of feel that? I mean, 2016 was a good year, but shit, this one's off to a pretty pretty good start. Um, I mean, like, obviously we're going to talk a lot about Logan, I think that was an incredible way to start off what's going to be a big year for just comic book movies in general between Marvel and DC uh, and Fox's ownership of Marvel characters. There's so much content coming out. Um, but also, you know, seeing Get Out, which I know you guys have viewed recently, oh, uh, this yeah. is also such a strong, strong start. It's only March, so I'm really excited for what the summer and uh, and later on in the year is going to bring in terms of cinema. Yeah, and Get Out came out in February. Yeah, yeah, it was like the last weekend. Yeah, so I mean, that's technically a kind of a February release, and somebody had even asked me a question about, you know, um, if there is there ever going to be a good movie that comes out in January, and I was like, I don't know. That's an excellent question. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I saw a couple of good movies this January, but they were all movies that I hadn't taken too long to see in 2016. Yeah, right? Um, Didn't count. They should have all came out last year in December, so it never counted. So. Yeah, it's trickling down. I mean, like, you know, you used to see 
major films coming out during a specific couple of months in the summer, and as you know, as cinema continues to become a, a growing way of escapism for a lot of people, uh, you're starting to see more and more movies be released like way earlier, and it's going to keep going back to January eventually. Usually, uh, big words. Yeah, that, that been, I kind of feel uncomfortable. Yeah, now. no, you're <laughs> no, no, big old words. I didn't understand huh? that, so I'm going to take I'm that. I'm just happy we're actually having a podcast now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's <laughs> all you viewers at home just listening. You can't see how big the dictionary on my desk is right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even. Dictionary, it's the <laughs> I don't even know that is. So there yeah. I've used one once. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of on my phone, right? I kind of want to just memorize that one scene from a uh, forty-year-old virgin with Kevin Hart. Oh. That that's like the definitive. Anytime I ever hear someone use a big word, that's what I'm thinking of, bar right. none. I mean, if you haven't seen forty-year-old 40 virgin, I am not a fan of um, Steve Carell at all. I what? think I don't like a lot of his work. I don't like his. I don't like his comedic bits. I like some more his serious stuff, which he really, really does. Um, but that was a very funny scene. Not because of him, but because of Kevin Hart. Yeah. So, yeah. But let's talk about our feature. Thank you so much for being here, Mike. And I'm really, really interested in kind of getting your approach of like what you're actually doing. My name is Warren, and uh, I will be your host for this actual evening as well. Um, I am sipping on, of course, the uh, beautiful Apothic Rosé. Um, and I will say hashtag sip to that of... Super balanced, a little sweet, but not overly sweet, and it's something that's almost as if it's kind of like a session, sort of wine or rosé, so you can kind of think of um, a Chardonnay that's not too sweet and not overly sweet, and still you have like a nice red blend, but it's much lighter, so it's not overbearing, it's something that definitely kind of pairs well with something much lighter, whether you have like, you know, a, a crepe. Or uh, a, 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 come on! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had I, I had to, but I think this would be really great with a breakfast. Or like a spring salad, salad would be <laughs> Well, I mean, a spring salad would be pretty good, especially if they have like walnuts, almonds, and oh, like, some yeah, sort of like, fruit in it as well. Yeah, like a light oil vinaigrette with a little bit of kind of cheese, just kind of fresh olives. Yeah. No, I know when I'm on a, a romantic date. I like to cook up some Kraft macaroni and cheese because that's the only thing I can cook. <laughs> yeah. Would this go well with Kraft macaroni and cheese? I mean, you getting too fancy because I just put in the ramen and I put it in the mm. microwave, right? And as we wait, I'm like, so what up, though? <laughs> that, is that? I think that works. I think so. The the rosé hides the classiness of the craft. It's because of the little slash on the e because it's fancy. Mm. That's all they look at is the slash with me. I gotta start. I gotta start spelling with slashes. Never know. Our feature title today will be Logan, featuring Hugh Jackman, and this is more of the kind of extension for the Wolverine sort of X Men universe. And let's kind of talk about that before we actually talk about our criticisms. But like, let's kind of open it up to kind of general sort of roundtable of what are your overall thoughts and. And just feelings of the actual universe itself. And the reason why I laugh is I would hope that everybody's seen all the Wolverine movies. Yes. I haven't. Okay. Jesse? Yeah. I think this is the first Absolutely. Wolverine movie I've, I've seen. Mocha? I've seen all of them except for the entirety of the Wolverine. I've seen that in chunks, but everything else I've seen. Which one is the Wolverine? The Wolverine's the, the one that's in Japan. Japan. It's uh, the, the Wolverine yeah. was the one of the worst out of all. Okay. No. So, there's only three. Let's chat about, like, your real no. thoughts in... Like, putting Logan aside, looking at the over three other movies that's there, four? Well, then, plus he's in... I mean, if you're just counting the Wolverine movies... Just the Wolverine movies for right now. We can talk about the character a little bit. There's only three of them. 
Through. Yeah. Okay. So. So overall, sort of thoughts and feelings of the universe and the you like this is the information that you're coming in with this movie. You have these three movies and you have his sort of special appearances in the X Men movies and then the other X Men movies that are like the time jumps from that. So, you know, how did, what were you really thinking? What were you kind of feeling besides looking at Twitter and how people were rating this movie of, I mean, I kind of feel this particular way going into Logan. So, you know, how would you think? Jesse? Oh, God, you picked me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the movies have been terrible. They've always been terrible. If we're talking Wolverine Origins and The Wolverine, they're god-awful. They're, they're bad for the character. They're bad for the brand. They were badly made. In can we talk spoilers already? Like in, oh yeah, so I would say if you haven't if you haven't seen any of the Wolverine origin stories, Wolverine movies, um, probably including stop Logan. including Logan. <laughs> you should probably stop it right now because we Earmuffs. will be reviewing Earmuffs. Yeah, there you go. We will be reviewing and really kind of spoiling a lot of these movies for you. We want to make sure, especially, you have a chance to get as much as possible um, from the movie itself. So I'll play say probably pause. Text Mike, tell him you love him, and then kind of pick it back up, and then kind of go from there. So, like, in the, in the Wolverine, he gets his claws cut off, and I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm like, fucking, really? Like, <laughs> he loses his powers and his, gets his claws cut off? I'm like, why am I watching a Wolverine movie? And, like, then there's Origins with the whole Deadpool thing, and just, like, uh, the D-list of, like, bad supervillains who are actually great supervillains. The only thing that saved that movie was Lee Schreiber... And like, I don't think he even he was fun think, in that. Uh, movie. He was he was fun, but I don't think he saved that movie. He was the only good part of that. He movie. was good. I just don't think he was Sabretooth. He wasn't was Sabretooth. No, it yeah. wasn't Sabretooth. Again, and like they had so many good things that they could have, and they still dropped it. Yeah. And and it was funny because like watching this movie, I'm not gonna go too much into it. I was like, where the fuck was this? The last you know five Wolverine movies. Like, I don't know. I don't know. So it's well, just, the, the whole franchise is really they've, me off. they've just basically relied on two characters of the past 16 years. They've relied on Magneto as a villain, and they've relied on uh, Wolverine as like their primary protagonist. You're forgetting Mystique and all that. Well, yeah, they tried to, but like I don't know. That's basically just because Jennifer uh, Lawrence got really famous in the meantime. Hated that. Uh, but. Uh, I think that, yeah, because you're right with Apocalypse, he was only in it for, like, that scene. Yeah. I, I think that, if anything, Logan kind of, like, celebrated the fact that they should have decentralized their storyline. I think Fox, in an effort to keep everything cohesive, basically made, like, it all a mess. And it just doesn't matter. I think, like, taken out of context, because Caliban in this was kind of seemed like he had a different backstory than the one we saw in Apocalypse, mm -hmm. and, you know, and he'd be way, he'd probably be dead at this point, because Apocalypse was, you know, way back in the day, um, taken on its own, it, that's what they should have done in the first place, and just told individual stories rather than making them cohesive. Yeah. Well, I think that they had a bit of a pressure that was put on them to try to make it cohesive as much as possible, because, you know, their opposite approach was... <clears throat> Fuck! How is Marvel doing yeah. this? Like, how are they? But how most, are they doing? But, but I mean, they had, they definitely had pressure, whether it's they wanted it or not. But they definitely had pressure on when Marvel can make a cohesive films, you know, two, three, four, five, and kind of tie a few of them together. They're sitting there like, well, why can't we do this? We should have the talent. They still so do the old paradigm of sequels, like one leads into the other, leads into the other. That was X Men one, two, and three, and then Marvel showed up. 
what, I guess around the time they were writing Days of Future Past, right? Like, that would have, I think First Class came out maybe... No, First no, Class came out after. That was after. Is, but it was still before the MCU really was, like, a working... Like, no one knew that was going to work until the Avengers came out. Yeah. So I think that I think that they were doing pre-pro probably on Days of Future Past when that whole thing was happening, and that that, like, kind of affected and made them change gears. Because it... it it works as, like, sequels. Just tell one linear story with the same characters. I don't know. I just... The Wolverine movies, when I first came out, I, I didn't see them. I had no intentions on seeing them. When they got terrible reviews, I didn't want to go back and see them. Bradley? Uh, yeah, so for the standalone Wolverine movies, yeah, they are mishmash up until this point. And um, Wolverine Origins is, like, deplorable. I actually kind of like... The characterizations in the Wolverine, the ending is a terrible ending. Oh, jeez. It's such a bad ending. What's really cool about all these movies, regardless of the quality of these movies, and even if you throw in the X-Men movies, 17 years ago, someone at Fox decided to take a chance on this Australian actor that has a background in musical theater and said, you're going to play Logan the Wolverine, a.k.a. the most popular comic book character on the planet right Mm. now. Right now. Also, at the time. Yeah. Also, you have a bunch of fanboys that you gotta actually live up to a certain expectation. And they're giving him shit like he's not in the yellow costume, he's not five foot three, six foot three, and all this BS. But you know what? Hugh Jackman was able to bring that character to life, yeah. which I don't think anybody else could have done it the way he did it. And it was focusing on like the humanity of Wolverine rather than like let's see his special powers, even though when they show him his special powers for the most part, they do a great job of actually showing Wolverine in action. Yeah. And I want to definitely talk about how the swan song for Hugh... This could be a huge whole career for someone. That Hugh Jackman brought a lot to this universe as well. Yeah. Mike, what do you think? I wonder... I, I have to think, did Hugh Jackman have any real sense of like the burden he was taking on by... by by uh, taking the role as Wolverine. Of all the X-Men characters, like, there's such a massive, as, as Brian was mentioning, fandom around him. Um, he's one of the most iconic characters for even people who've not really been into comics before. And I wonder if he had any clue what he was actually getting, stepping into when he first like went out for that role. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting, because I, I remember, I, I feel like it was a really big shift, and I'm not entirely sure where the shift came from, because when I saw him in the first X-Men movie, and I thoroughly enjoyed that movie and then I looked back and I was like well the movie wasn't very good but whatever like I enjoyed that movie about it and then at one point it kind of transitioned to hey look at my traps right he did but, yeah. he got he yeah got, he got that, personal training he, well, he, <laughs> it was, well he would always do the and he would like ruin I was like well, you, you're jacked bro I get it but what about the, the movie itself? So I was really confused about what was happening, and then I felt like what we were going to review tonight kind of brought back even better than what I even had before. So Yeah, what he did in that first you... X-Men movie is really, really impressive, given that Patrick Stewart is Professor X come to life, and, Ma- Ian, and McKellen Ian McKellen is, is Magneto come, come to life as well. Yeah. And he was able to actually surprise people and kind of some people say, hey, he actually did a lot better than those two, and those two were amazing as well. Yeah, yeah that was good. That was good point. Last thoughts, Mike, before this? Oh, man. Um, 
Yeah, so it's just interesting. Like, a lot, like what you guys had said before, a lot of you mentioned how the previous Wolverine movies were just not that great. And it's, it's absolutely true. They were trash. And it's, it's cool seeing... It's, it's interesting seeing James Mangold, somebody who directed... Who, this is his second Wolverine film. How much of a jump there was from him doing The Wolverine, which had some pros to it. Like, the choreography was pretty cool. Um, like Brian said, the characterization was good. But it wasn't this tight of a movie. To then jump into Logan uh, and have an almost completely different experience in terms of just execution and delivering what the heart of the character is and the heart of that specific story is. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, even you had mentioned James Mangold. I'm looking at a little bit of his information. So He has an interesting kind of career. He really does because you have like a, a movie like Girl Interrupted, right? And then he went to 310 to Yuma. And then the Wolverine, and then Logan, and he had a couple other movies like in between. But just like Kate looking Leopold. at those, yeah, well, Kate and Leopold. <laughs> so, but looking at like those four or five movies that we had just mentioned, it's it's it Men in Trees also. Uh, well, that was a TV show series. But just looking at those movies that we had talked about, it, it's they are vastly different because he even looked like he started at um in Disney for a little bit, and then kind of went out of that sort of um, realm. So. I think it's very interesting, and I guess my take I would say is, I liked, I like the Wolverine movies up until a point where I'm like, what is happening? And uh, you know, you start with the X Men movie, and then you have like just the Wolverine movies itself. And you talk about the origin movies. The origin that was interesting. Like even I like anything that has to do with like a group aspect of it and showing Deadpool's kind of sort of story arc but then they also made fun of it so i mean that was funny about it like in the deadpool movie that's like this is not what it should be so i love that little wink and nod about it let's talk about our future title logan and <laughs> let's talk about overall thoughts as well as a bit of sort of wins of this actual movie and i'm, I'm pretty excited to actually hear from mocha because it looks like you were really, really excited to talk about this movie, so... Oh, man, I'm so ready to talk about it. <laughs> Come at me, podcast, bro. I'll just be talking into the wind outside of the street. Go ahead. There's no wood play guy for this freaking New York. But um, this movie was great. It was absolutely phenomenal if we're looking at the scope of what we have to do, to work with from comic book movies across, um, you know, across platforms, whether it's Marvel or DC. Um, and it was great because they, they gave it... They took a really deep look at who Logan was as a character, right, as a person. And that's what the, what the entire story hinges on. Um, you know, I think it was Blue earlier who was saying, talking about the difference between this and the Avengers movies, uh, or the typical, like, MCU fair. And the big difference there is that they kept it small, right? Less is more. And they just gave a really succinct focus on that, and it paid off like gangbusters. Um, I was really impressed. Nice, nice. Thanks so much, man. Um, let's let's keep going. Talk about kind of overall thoughts and kind of feelings before before we actually start kind of hammering down our actual wins of the actual movie. So, what do you got, brother? Uh, so I don't know if this was the same for y'all, but did they play the Deadpool yeah. sneak peek before <clears throat> before, before? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like kind of like a reverse short. But I thought it was a brilliant short to kind of just like get Deadpool back into your head. But also, it was like the perfect little appetizer I need to go into Logan. Because it, it made me laugh my ass off and be happy, like, yeah, there's Deadpool coming around. But then Logan started, and Logan just, emotionally, it is there to brutalize you. Just mm -hmm. as much as you see Hugh Jackman's Logan, it's 15 years later, his 
body is failing on him. He's scarred up. His healing factor is not working. Um, having a rated R brings a lot of visceral elements that you needed. Like when his claw gets stuck at the beginning, yeah. and he has to manually pull that uh, out. I was like, oh my god, that's rough. Yeah. It, it, it looked nasty. And it had to be nasty in order for yeah. you to feel with Logan. And they bring that human element to him in ways that you haven't seen before. Um, the action was amazing. Just seeing Wolverine pop off with his claws. And seeing people stabbed in ways you haven't seen before. There's <laughs> Seeing people stabbed the ways that they should be stabbed. Yeah, there's like there's one scene where he's fighting X twenty four and X twenty four stabs him behind the back through the armpit, and I never thought like that would yeah. be painful. And I'm just like looking at that like, oh, I've never thought that you could do that, and that looks like a lot of hurt right there. Well, right? the slow down <laughs> scene when they're dri- I think it's Oklahoma City when they're driving through that, or some town in Oklahoma, and like. Uh, um, Professor X is like freaking everything out, and then he literally just stabs the people that are standing there no, in slow motion. That was Vegas. Was that, was was that, that Vegas? That yeah, was Vegas. Vegas. Oh, that was Vegas. All right, cool. It was before they left. Um, yeah, yeah, that was brutal. I will love to talk yeah. about that scene later as a big win for me because I enjoyed literally every moment of that. But Bradley, yeah. anything else? I would say, I mean, Hugh Jackman. I mean, for a swan song. Can't ask for a better swan song. He brings everything that. Can you describe a swan song? Swan song that? is um, the final, final time you're going to bring this character out. That lady sings. What's that? That, that lady, lady sings. sings. Yeah, and it's um, and apparently, I mean, for all accounts, right now, Hugh Jackson says this is his last time doing Wolverine, and he saved the best for last, and he just double down on what makes Wolverine Wolverine and but he also did it with a great supporting cast as well. Having Patrick Stewart back and the chemistry those two guys have together. Oh. You get some of the best uh father son moments with Wolverine and Professor just, X. You know that he's done too. Yeah. He apparently like they watched the 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 version like a week before the release. He looked at the director uh, Mangold and said, "That's it. Uh like I'm not coming back as Professor X. That was that was the definitive version. I love me sometimes. Yeah, and Patrick yeah. Stewart, I mean, he did an amazing job. I mean, there's moments where, I mean, you see Professor X in a way you haven't seen him before where it's, um, he can't control who he is and he has to be um, nullified in order to act like a human being and that yeah. kind of makes him have to rely on just wisdom and being like just that elder statesman to kind of lead Logan on this path to raising this kid, um, Laura, a.k.a. X-23 in the comic books mm-hmm. and in this movie. And she's played by Daphne Keene, who, this young amazing. actress, I don't know where she came from. She is amazing. I uh, think that this was a mute girl, but then also when she starts to speak, amazing with, with her lines as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. It looked, yeah. this is pretty, uh, I think she's 11 years old. And they their their casting requirements for her was must be a physical actress and must be bilingual. I'm neither of those things, and I'm three times her age. <laughs> like like, like the, the, the the casting requirements on that were pretty ridiculous, but they found someone that absolutely knocked it out of the park. So yeah. and, uh, and if not only did she okay. did, like, like she knocked it out of the park, but Jesus, that was probably. If I can think of any of all the X-Men that have been shown on film, that was the hardest role to nail. Because yeah. 
you have to have a child, right? You have to have someone who can be fierce in a way that isn't pokey or like silly or like it has to be intimidating. And like that opening scene, well, not opening scene, but that first scene before the big fight in the abandoned factory when she's eating her cereal and watching the television prompter show the uh, show the video camera footage of the men walking towards her. And her, like, her eyes are shifting around the room as she prepares to get ready to fight them. There's so much intensity in just her look while she's eating cereal. And that is not something that you can really teach, I think. And I, she just killed it. She absolutely destroyed that role. I mean, yeah. this is how I'm really excited about quote-unquote child actress, actresses, actors. And then, like, this is the one that works. And not only does it work, it's just like, all right, so let's look at what she, done, what she did when she's done in this actual film. And let's not let certain child actors and actresses <laughs> slide. Because she did a great job. And she showed a huge range and had a chance to actually put a physical element to it. That That's actually huge. So, Marilyn? Yeah. And um, not only is her acting great, her physical ability in the movie. And just showing different ways that she would fight versus Wolverine. Wolverine's very... In your face, I'm just going to jump at you, shoot me as many times as you want, and then I'm going to stab you no matter what you do. And she's like, I'm going to flip around, I'm going to jump on top of you. You didn't see me. Oh, you didn't see this foot blade come out and kick you in the face, too. So that foot blade down. Yeah, <laughs> surprise. Yeah. Um, but there's also some great supporting characters along with those big three. So Stephen Merchant is Caliban. Stephen Merchant, I think, is one of the funniest people on the planet. And to see him in a dramatic role like this and carry a lot of weight that he has to in that support role like hey i'm this reluctant caretaker that you just left me here with this guy that may or may not kill the whole planet if i don't give him his pills at the right time <laughs> yeah. and he's taking it as best as he could probably could in that situation and it's uh, and also um boyd holbrook as donald pierce yeah i thought he was an amazing protagonist or antagonist there you go uh about um uh, I mean, just the Reavers are one of those characters in comics that I've always wanted to see on the movie screen, and him as Donald Pierce did a fantastic job of just being like this, hey, I'm just doing my job, I'm a military guy, and hey, look, you got property that I need back. And They were perfect villains for this movie, too. Like, I would yeah. never have guessed that the Reavers would be the star antagonist in a film about, like, in any X-Men film whatsoever. But they were like they were spot on for it. You know, they're just this never ending wave of of disposable soldiers that will bring you just slice through. Um, and yeah, it was it was a smart move on Mangold when he wrote that screenplay to use them instead of some big name villain or a single like a single focused villain that would take away from the excitement of watching Logan's story unfold. I guess to me, I didn't realize that they were the actual Reavers. I may have missed yeah, that. They no. had the mechanical arms. That's such a Reavers thing to do. Okay, yeah. so that. Reaver's thing to do is probably more of a comic. They're so well, in yeah. the comic, they yeah. they're so, humans. That so what I'm saying, uh, some somebody who didn't doesn't read the comics, mm. they may not necessarily no. know. And I don't know that. I was like, oh, there are a bunch of guys who have like cyborg things. Like, I don't know if they cool. actually did. They actually drop the word Reavers. They did. They did. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, I mean, I just I think there's a bunch of enhanced people, but even the enhanced people couldn't handle the mutants of a, one older and one. Much younger, but still is a badass, so it was awesome. Yeah. And lastly, I would say, like, just the whole tone of the movie and the story it tells, it, they, it's a huge uh, win for a superhero movie. Like, you haven't really seen this depth of character, this many layers of, 
um, what we want to say with a movie like this since probably The Dark Knight. And it, they do a great job of finding that balance of like, when is humor needed in this? How are we going to talk about um, a hopeless world but still give that glint of hope that's needed to keep it going and give them a purpose of this journey they're taking across the country but also inside themselves at the same time and Logan just coming to terms with like hey um, even though you have this incredible gift it's time may run out and you may have to face mortality you may have to face understanding that hey you're probably best served helping others than helping yourself right now and I thought it was a huge message uh, to send to people and it's a huge just a fantastic story about one man's journey through his 200 year life as well and I was crying at the end I mean when she called him daddy um, I that had me in tears and I mean they, they definitely won me over with every single emotional nuance they gave in the movie yeah for sure Mike what you got so I had a couple things uh, to agree, uh, I'm going to agree with you on the end that the when she flipped the crossover to the X was just yeah. like a perfect because he spent most of the time and I feel like half the like half the characters don't want to be X Men they're like reluctant like that's what they're trying to do with Mystique and then like Wolverine kind of when he got found in the Canadian countryside which they alluded to in this movie like they didn't want to be they're kind of thrust into that and in the end they were the characters that like. Um, Professor X wanted Wolverine to be. Um, I thought that uh, it was a really nice bridging of old and new. Like, it was the last movie for a lot of people, but, like, X-23 is coming back. I mean, that's 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 your girl going forward. If Jennifer Lawrence doesn't sign on... If they do X-Force, they could easily fit her into the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, just replace. Because yeah. that's the other thing, that they might bring back Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's been lightly linked to Deadpool 3. Um, skipping over two, but yes, you could do that eventually. But, uh, I thought that they gave a nice, like, realistic reason for the adamantium, like, the whole getting poisoned by the, uh, GMOs was affecting his healing factor, which then now the adamantium that he could fight was now ruining his body. I thought it was nice, like, a lot of times they give these, like, awful cop-out reasons, and I thought they wrapped it back in with the the family that they hung out with. Like it, it was, it felt natural rather than like this is exposition. Know this because it's gonna come back later. Um, honestly, that was probably one of the bigger wins is that they didn't do that. Uh, I thought that uh, speaking, we've talked about the ultra violence and it being an R-rated movie. I'd also like to talk about the language. Um, Hearing, I mean, so the joke in the, what was it, first class when Wolverine says the F word for the, their, you know, their one for, for their PG-13. Um, I think that, so I remember way back in the day, uh, I was listening to System of the Down uh, with my mom, and they, <laughs> they had the F word in one of the songs. And my mom was just like, yeah, that's like talented songwriting because they only use it in one place. It has a lot more... Uh, gravity if you hold back and then use it instead of just ripping off the F word every single time. Mm -hmm. Now we've seen Professor X in what, like six movies? The at least the Patrick Stewart version. Patrick Stewart, yeah, six, seven movies. So somewhere in that range. And so 
now we have this character that I don't think has ever said that word, and then when you meet him, meet him, he just rips off a whole bunch of them. And <laughs> it's, it's you, Logan. yeah, no, no, it's said. and it's seriously like even though even though they dropped the f bomb like a million times in this movie, a lot it was a very nice build up that they really just held off and then just unleashed the characters in their swan song performance. And I thought it was. It was nice. It complemented the ultraviolence, too, that they had the language to back it up. The language sounded very natural, like, this is just two people talking. Right, right. It didn't sound like they were swearing to swearing to swear. Uh, the last thing I'd have to say, uh, just because I, I always try and, like, touch upon this. Um, so, I, the reason I saw this movie was because of the trailer. Like, I, as I said before, I really didn't like, or it was, had nothing to do with the original Wolverine. I still didn't watch too many of the X-Men movies. I don't think I've seen X3. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. That's the reason. Yeah. Uh, but I saw the trailer drop, and it was this, like, perfect, just, like, hopeless world with Hurt by Johnny Cash playing over it. And I remember just getting chills and thinking, like, wow, that's, like, that song is kind of cliche for that environment, just fits it perfectly. And they uh, started the score with the same kind of feel. It was on the piano instead of the guitar. Um, but it starts off with this really, like, solo piano, solo note motif that they bring back a couple times, and it's, it really portrays that, like, aloneness and kind of, like, hopelessness with, like, a glimmer of that mixed in there. I thought the score was really well done. The closest thing, ironically, that I could think of, uh, was the score John Murphy did for, uh, 28 Days Later. Uh, it had, there's this one song in it that, like, you've heard before, it's called In a House in a Heartbeat, and, um, it's this really, like, uh, it's called a pedal point, where it basically you have one note pulsing under the rest of the, the composition, and the rest of it kind of evolves over it, um, and they bring that kind of same feeling back for Logan, for the main theme of that, and Absolutely. that movie just perfectly, like, 28 Days Later, it perfectly encapsulates that, all hope is lost, but we have to keep on moving because there's nothing else we can do. Yeah. And Logan does that again. And the music underscores that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been listening to this uh, soundtrack for the last maybe couple days, and mm. it's a very gritty, very dark, very odd um, sort of soundtrack, and I have been comparing it to a rival soundtrack by Johann Johannesburg, and it's a very, very different, but at the same time, it still kind of evokes the same sort of message of um, I can't remember the actual sort of composer here, and I'm going to look it well, up. It's, but... a, it's a texture soundtrack yeah. rather than a melodic one. Like, you don't... This soundtrack isn't John Williams with themes for everyone and, and you know, these crazy string sounds that you hear in every every other, you know, movie. Uh, it's also not a rock band playing behind it. It's, it's strictly tones, percussion hits, and oddly moving synths. It's just enough, like... Noise, it's enough noise in the background to make you feel this scene a little bit more. Right, exactly. And it's it's a good soundtrack. I was listening, I did my shopping this morning to it. And, uh, you know, I figured I, I wanted to talk about it a little more and uh, did a nice refresher. Uh, it's it's hard to listen to. Like, it's not something you, you know, you you put on normal. Like, honestly, even going shopping, I, I probably wouldn't listen to it again uh, if I wasn't doing this podcast tonight. But, like, it It works. One thing about the soundtrack that I hadn't noticed until I actually started listening to it after the fact was how um, like how disturbing some of the music is during the action sequences. Like X24's uh, theme song is 
really, really uncomfortable to listen to. It's like this steady drum beat with these like really dark strings go over it in the background. Um, and it's, there's this like high energy, but it's not a fast song. And so you get this sort of like, you're just stuck with all this kinetic energy. You don't know what to do with it. Um, and it's just really uncomfortable added on to the actual like fact that X24 at that moment in the movie is probably chopping off anybody's head that's within stabbing distance. Um, I was really surprised at how effective the music was without me realizing it in the moment actually watching the film. Yeah. Yeah, it was certainly, it was a different kind of uncomfortable, but it's funny because the last two reviews we've done have both been fairly uncomfortable movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Fair enough. Jesse, what you got? Uh, I really don't have much to contribute that hasn't been said already. I do want to reiterate something that uh, Mike said a moment ago, though, and that's what really worked for this was the small scale. And I think what that was the downfall of the last couple X-Men movies, where it's like, well, if the world's at stake, then obviously they're going to save the world. Like, there's there's no, like, surprise in that. Whereas the, the good part about this movie was... It was so small scale that you're like, maybe Wolverine's going to die, maybe he's going to make it, maybe not. I know it's his last movie, could go either way. Like, I don't know if Xavier's going to make it or not. Like, and I really like that about this movie, is that I didn't know where it was going to go with it. The same thing can be said, like, lightly about Deadpool, too. Like, I just didn't know where it was going to end up. Like, maybe the girlfriend's going to die, maybe not. And I just, I look forward to hopefully seeing more superhero movies where the world isn't at stake. It's just trying to save some situation and maybe they might not make it. Like, that'd be kind of cool. Mm. Um, I want to reiterate, like, uh, yeah, X-23's casting was amazing. Um, I did find myself halfway through this movie and I, I went and saw Guillermo and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, where the fuck was this movie three Wolverine movies ago? <laughs> like, like where was this hiding? Like, they, I remember when they got a, an R-rated our rating for the Wolverine, I was like, cool, we'll actually see Wolverine like use his claws. And even then it was disappointing. But again, it's PG-13. Oh, it was PG-13? Yeah, that's a big deal about this. There was movie. an unrated version that came out on home video, and basically the reason for that is there was a scene where the um, samurai lady runs a thresher through a bunch of ninjas, and it's just like blood going all over the streets. That's like the big thing that causes it to get an R rating. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it was good. I really enjoyed it. I I guess I'm gonna save a lot of my stuff for the criticisms because all my wins I feel like have already been said. Um. Yeah. Well, um, one one other thing I just want to mention is just I mean, there's some elements of scenes that juxtapose each other beautifully in this movie. Like, uh, when Wolverine's burying Professor X by the lake, and he's trying to say something for him, and all he's doing is stammering and saying, he has water, and he has water. And I found that to be, like, a very powerful moment, that he couldn't find the words to say for this person that took him in and gave him so much care over decades. And at the very end, he's not sure what to say, and it frustrates the hell out of him, versus... At the very end, X-23 has the perfect words to say for Wolverine once they bury him. Oh, yeah, spot. that Shane monologue was yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, great call. You all right, Mocha? Oh, yeah, you know, I'm feeling it. The feels are coming back. Thinking about that, I think, soon. I'm getting chills. There are no guns in the valley. Like, oof. Even his last dying line, too. 
was really, really good. I love how he, he goes like, ah, oh, so this is what it feels like? Oh, because that, that works on multiple uh, levels. This is how it feels like it could be. This is how it feels like to have a family. This is what it feels like to die. This is what it, like, that one line yeah. can be. Because there's something he, especially even when we were first, first, first introduced to the character in the X-Men movie of, he just didn't care being a cage fighter. He knew that he couldn't die, so therefore at one point he was trying to like go out there and do it, but that's actually a good point that you kind of um, added that. Um, I really like to t talk about something that nobody has talked about just yet. Is They made a really a lot of good attention to detail in oh, this movie, yeah. and even Caliban like, mentions it a couple times. Um, and Brylin, even kind of expanding off of your thought of you know the claws doesn't come out all the way earlier right and then the claws doesn't come out the way and i was like what's that and then you can see they they had shots of his knuckles and there's like scars in between and then before mm. in the movies they used to be just straight white because he would heal that quickly but now it's scarring the scar tissue on that the in in between where his claws actually comes out and then you can actually see the pus that caliban had said that actually come out you see that all the scars and the, the stuff that actually happens with him of you can tell that something has happened, and you're not entirely sure exactly what, but it's not how it was beforehand, and something's a bit different about it. And I really, really, I I really latched onto that is because now you know there's a passage of time that has happened, and I had a really great appreciation of that because there was something that you didn't have to say because Caliban talked about some things, but other things you just didn't have to talk about at all, and you just see that and he looks like shit. But I love it. He because later on, and I was sitting there, I was like, I wonder if it's gonna be a time when he kind of reverts some of that things, and he took the serum and he reverted that. I was like, oh, okay, there, there it is. But they also was like, well, just for a little bit. So I like that aspect of it. I really like that that what they the tool that they actually use to kind of show that too. So I think that was really powerful. And um, I would also say, and uh, you also had mentioned this of the sometimes I look at it as a buddy cop. Sometimes I love it as like a father son. Um, sometimes I look at it as a teacher um, student, but it was very weird. It was a very different approach, but it was a very powerful approach that they actually had tried to actually convey with you know Professor X and um, Wolverine. That's my dad um, Chuck in the car. Huh? <laughs> That's my dad Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah it, was, it was like oh, th this is awesome. Like, come on. And I was really, I was really afraid about how they introduced um, Xavier. But then he got it. He got into it. He got into it a little bit more and more, and started talking about it more and more. And that was really awesome. So I really liked that yeah. because it really added a, a, a huge, huge dynamic to anybody to know that you know if. A loved one of yours is dealing with something that you don't know what the answer is to. Like, what do you do? You know, do you try to help him out? Do you try to save him? What do you try to save him from other people? You don't quite know exactly what's happening. There's something that's not quiet, and then you also notice that Xavier sometimes is is in control of his powers, and sometimes he's not. So that's also a very very powerful moment. That entire hotel scene in Las Vegas was absolutely phenomenal because he, I, I felt for me, he knew Charles knew that well. There's only one person that can save me, and it's time for the people or the person, and then the transfer to all oh, the people that can actually handle what I'm doing to everybody else. And he did that at first because he couldn't control it, and we saw that earlier, and then later on. 
So, Professor Xavier, I mean. Then later on, Professor Xavier did it in the hotel for the sake of everybody in the hotel to save Laura. I thought that was implied, though, that he freaked out. And that's nope. why it happened. He, he even said after that, he was like, this was important. He said that this was important to me. And I, I, I had to do what I needed to do. He didn't freak out. I, I, I thought for sure. Yeah, at he least froze time on purpose. He did that on yeah. purpose. And that his freeze in time wasn't as powerful as it was before. So everybody stops. But it was to the point where he was about to kill everybody. Um, so he knew that there's only one person that can help me out. And this person is actually walking into the room right now. And slow motion stabbing people in the throat. Which is, I thought was awesome. So... They also uh, showed just how powerful those adamantium claws were yeah. with, like, the brutality. It's not like, you know, everyone's seen something get cut off somewhere, but, like, clean entrance room uh, wounds through a skull. Like, that's... Yeah. There's some power behind those things. Well, <laughs> and I'll even say, like, the opening scene, and I think I was, I was sitting next to uh, Blue, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm getting excited for it. And he, like, gets really angry about, uh, about something that happens. The truck. It, the, about the, the truck, yeah. yeah the and he chops off this guy's arm. I was like, whoa. Is, is this about to happen right now? Oh, I did. So I was really, really excited about that. Just, uh, you know, I like seeing not only violence. I don't like seeing violence, but I like seeing a more realistic approach to, hey, you have these claws that people say that are unbeatable, so let's make it happen. So. Uh, really quick, Warren, just yeah. to touch up your, your point uh, you mentioned earlier about the detail in this movie, uh, or the attention to detail. It was it was insane how much attention to detail was paid throughout every single scene in this movie. It was so deeply layered. Uh, there wasn't like a single scene that didn't have more below the surface than what you were than what it, it portrayed. Uh, and for me, what like one of those those scenes that really like highlighted at least Mangold's attention to his own detail was during Wolverine's death. Um, you know, you have that scene where he's impaled on the log. And he's saying goodbye, essentially, to X-23. And, you know, for those of you who watched The Wolverine, there's a scene where Yukio um, sort of prophesies his death in that movie. And she says to him, oh, you know, I have the power. I can see people's deaths. I can see the moment they die. And he asks her, how does he die? And she says, uh, you die on your back. There's blood everywhere. And you're holding your heart in your head. And that scene, you know, yeah, he's on his back, literally, on the stump. There's blood everywhere because he's been impaled. But in that last moment, he's holding on to Laura Kinney's hand, um, and that's just in, that's that's just like a really moving like thing in my opinion. That like Mangold took that over from that movie and actually executed it. Good point. Wow. All the man, we can't have Mike back because he's Mocha, like, you got completely <laughs> outshining us. That was Mocha, deep. You got all the feels tonight, bro. That was deep. <laughs> all right. So as much as we love and talked about the things that we loved about this movie, let's chat about some things that maybe didn't work, but try. So let's kind of move into a bit of the criticisms of this movie itself and like take a look and see, you know, what something that they can maybe kind of do a bit better in. Uh, I'm actually going to start with um, Jesse here to talk about, what do you think? I mean, I'm going to start with the obvious. It's a bunch of kids who are trained to fight from birth to be human weapons and the kids are pushovers at the end of the fight, like, yeah. like. Yo, how'd that fat kid make it to be one of the last people to get caught? That little fat kid was running at like two miles an hour, and these trained reavers can't catch his ass. Threw me out of the movie for a minute. Like, I was like, yo. They, they, they no held the way. camera. They held the camera on that fat kid running for Blake. Oh, they, they, I was, they, they, I was like, like, come on, uh, son. What are you doing? It's just, it's just so frustrating because I'm like, oh, that whole part. I'm like, okay, the reavers are coming. 
And here comes the part where the Reavers are going to get their ass kicked by children. Nope, not not at all. Like they're running, screaming through the woods. And then on top of that, like what what's 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 the point of having guns to try and get these kids? Like I thought, weren't they trying to kill the kids? Mm -mm. Like why are they recapturing? They them? wanted to harvest the DNA. Yeah. Like okay, so like, and then the other the thing too. Because the lab was destroyed, and they're trying to get something. Okay, so yeah. going back, like when they go to first get Laura X twenty three uh, at the compound, they go in with guns, and the main villain even says, "Don't use the guns; she can heal." And I'm sitting there in the theater. I'm like, then why bring guns? Like, why not have you know tranquilizers, tasers, a net cannon? Like, there's a lot of other things he, you could bring. The harpoon he, was a smart call. harpoon was a smart call. But he but had he was one the harpoon. With a harpoon gun. <laughs> Yeah. Only the big bag got the harpoon gun. Like, I, that was a big criticism. Um, then, of course, they, they keep saying, like, oh, well, the coordinates are from the comic book. The coordinates are from the comic book. And then it turns out it's true. So what does that mean about the comic book? No, is no, no, no. They, so this is my take on it, is that these kids grew up learning about the X-Men through these comics. Sure. They see these coordinates here. So that first group of kids that got to North Dakota found nothing probably and so they were like all right eden doesn't exist let's make eden so people have something yeah. to come to and so the the unanswered part is what's in canada because that was like the that's, that's the other point yeah plot point too is the reavers can go to mexico and capture all the kids but oh man you cross the canadian border like they're fucking off to be to now. be fair to be fair there is Definitely a difference between the Canadian border and the Mexican border. If anything, it's the opposite. You, they couldn't, you know, leave American jurisdiction yeah, in Mexico. Yeah, but Canada wouldn't look at... I mean, at least, granted, this is 10, 15 years in the future. Who knows how it will look. It's, but, like, it's, I think Mexico looks a, a blind eye more than Canada does. It's just like so that. funny. Like, oh, shit, they crossed the Canadian border. We're done here. We gotta just wrap it up in Sorry, the guys. Sorry, Can guys. Canada has alpha flying as well. So. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, I was also really disappointed with Xavier's death. Or yeah. really? The whole oh, thing that with Xavier. fucked me up so much. Yeah. Because wow. I wanted... So the whole point of Xavier is he tried to build this like hopeful society and it didn't fucking work out. Like, they never really went too much into that of like, Xavier's future like didn't work out. Like, all the X-Men are dead. He killed them. Like... They allude to it, but then they don't. You don't really get that payoff where he's like, "Hey, I realized what I did," and then you never actually get that like follow through. And I really wanted to see them go into that like Xavier, like I killed the X Men, and like the universe is falling apart, and like, nope. Instead, he gets killed well, off. We don't. We don't know if the universe is falling apart. We just know the X Men are around, and so. That uh, I think I saw a review saying like this just proves that Magneto was right. That humanity is out to kill mutants. Right. And so, for most yeah. of humanity, the world is fine. There is no difference in their lives. But I wanted to see... I wanted to see that more from Charles. Like, just more of that, like... Like, sure, he had his funny little curse moments. And sure, he had, like, a great moment with Wolverine. And, like, even his death when he, like, talks to the Wolverine clone is kind of cute. But I wanted more... Considering he's Charles freaking Xavier, like... He has his own movie series, and like he didn't get as good a payoff as Wolverine did in the end. I I, I disagree with you on that one, but I like how they didn't quite say because again I don't like when movies handhold me, 
uh, that you have to put together that Westchester is where the mansion was. And that's well, they they again they allude to it. I just wanted I wanted more justification for the and character. It's all it's full it's full circle. It's funny because when Charles died, I thought that Wolverine was going to make it out of it, which you know yeah. whatever uh, because I thought that the you know they spent the last what 16, 17 years saying that. Uh, Wolverine was the prodigal son of Charles Xavier, and then here is his, literally a clone of him, basically the same thing, being the death of him, 17 years later. And so, I, I thought that was a pretty powerful, like, That's you know, pretty moment. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my big ones, but I'll, I'll ride off of other people as they go through. Cool. Mocha, what you got? For criticisms? Alright, so, I completely agree with Jesse. Um, I thought it was absurd that this group of children who were literally born and bred, all they've ever known was to be warriors and to fight, uh, just ran. I, I get it. It added to the, to the excitement of the moment and gave some velocity to what had already slowed down, like was a slowed down pace at that point because they had stopped for Wolverine to rest. But when they make it, when Wolverine wakes up in the truck and he looks up and he sees Laura scaling the mountain to get to uh, that treehouse that, that was built up there. I got really excited because I thought, okay, cool. The final act of this movie is going to be showdown at the OK Corral. And the Reavers are going to show up. And these kids are going to hold down that fort and fight till the last like till the last like breath. And it wasn't that. They just took off running. Um, so that was a bit of a disappointment for me. You know, 13, 14, 15 kids that all have superpowers. And maybe three of them showed off what they could do. Um, was was a bit of a disappointment. That one um, girl that chopped pine needles at dude's faces, that was pretty. That was awesome. <laughs> the pine needles of death. That's that was awesome. The I See, Mocha, that's where Warren's strategy does come into play because uh, when they were at the OK Corral, they, only, I, they showed a couple scenes from the forest, and so I was like, oh, yeah. So there's, there's, they still have the forest scene to go. See? Yeah. yeah, I would still say that that trailer made me go see this movie, but, like, yeah, there was a little bit of, like, a... Hey, we know what's going on here. I was completely surprised. Like, ooh, and I was really hoping for, oh, this is going to be a, a clash of powers, right? Like, you're going to show off your powers, right? Or you just don't show, don't show off your powers on one guy who's already helpless. See, it's, it's funny because they could have included one line in the, like, exposition, when, you know, the video camera thing of, like, the nurse saying, hey... We gave them all these powers, but mentally, as soon as they were faced with adversity, they turned and ran. Literally, just that one line would have vindicated that whole thing. Well, yeah. they do say that the kids, like, lose it, and they have that one kid jumping off the building and all that. Like, they imply that the kids don't like fighting, but, right. like, they're yeah, but then Yeah, but they also show a video of the kids fighting back against the same people who were chasing Right, them. right. Exactly. So... They, they could have... They uh, I know I just said that I like when movies don't explain things, but they could have added one or two more lines of dialogue that said like it's the know, fight or flight. Yeah, and I just I, I think I think if you would have shown, and I think they kind of did it, but I needed to see a little bit more. The reason why, and even kind of going off that sort of aspect of it is, we know Laura is a fight person. Yeah, and but, instinctually she's gonna have that berserker rage in her because she's a clone of. Right? Wolverine, so she has a natural instinct. So we know that she's around. a fight. We don't know who the other people are, maybe fight or flight. So that's something that we can kind of figure out and see. But it's very confusing as an audience watching this movie of saying, well, why did she fight back and he didn't? But he has electrical powers. Well, they only fought back when they were, like, they fell down. You know? He, the main guy fought back 
he did actually. Sorry, the main guy did not fight back at all up until that after he was already shot right. on the ground and right, right, right. But he like, used one of the more powerful powers in the Earth itself to say, "Oh, hey, I can move Earth." Right, but but still, like they for the most part, they didn't. I mean, that was consistent with like they valued running over fighting. Fair. I mean, they value yeah. peace, and even, I mean, I, I get the concept of, we don't want to fight, we were bred for one thing, but we're, we want to do something else, this is not what we want to do, I get that, mm-hmm. I need to see, a, I, I guess, a bit more um, resolve or action from those characters itself. I'll say this, actually, like, in the discussion right now, I just, like, this sort of just dawned on me, it does kind of make sense um, in the fact that they're children, right? And their entire worldview is skewed by their imaginations. They were kept locked down underground. They only had these comic books. They And with comic books, you learn stories like good times or evil, things work out in the end. And at the end of the movie, when they're making that run, they're making the run for the Canadian border because they think that if they go over the border, they'll be safe. And so in a sense, there's like a childish immaturity there that, mm. you know, all that training wasn't able to beat out of them, where they actually think, oh, you know, the world is like a comic book and we can make it to the end of the book. We'll be okay. It's a good point. Um, that's that's maybe like the only way that I can well, justify that. I mean, to be fair, that. we were drilled with that through the entire early part of the movie when uh, Laura starts speaking. It's in Spanish and saying, "Hey, we're going to Eden because we need to go there." I'm not taking no for an answer. I'll drive myself. You know, so like we've seen that was like prepared by one character for the rest of them. I guess you're you're right. Like, but it was it was foreshadowed earlier in the movie. Yeah, I can see that. I'll, I'll concede that. Um, and then, like, you know, I have another criticism, really. And this is a, a flaw that you see in almost every single action movie that involves bad guys with guns and a good guy without guns, is that motherfuckers with guns run full tilt at the person who's swinging around knives as if they don't have a long-distance weapon. Um, a lot of the choreography was good and on point, but there were too many moments where Reavers ran into Logan's, like, kill field without just saying, hey, I'm 20, 10 feet away, I, let me just pull the trigger and see what happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> goddamn, that makes so much sense. I was like, yeah, that's weird. You know exactly what he did. They knew. They knew who he was. Absolutely. Mm. Every single Reaver knew that who Wolverine was. I guarantee you. He's the most famous person, like, mutant in the world, and he's one of the last ones left. I guarantee you they all knew what was coming with them. <laughs> well, they should have outfitted them with muskets and bayonets. It would have made more sense then <laughs> if they were trying to bayonet him. Got him! Haven't seen this kid in like three years. Mocha's dying right now over there. So let's talk about some more criticisms. What else we have? I have some minor just being an X-Men fanboy for all my life. Of course you do. Criticisms. Um, the Reavers. I mean, it, I would. I mean, personally, I'd like to see like let's bring the personality of the Reavers from the comics into the movie, and so it's not just Donald Pierce. It's also these characters like Cole, Macon, and Reese, and Pretty Boy who has tank treads for feet, and it's a very like eclectic group and diverse group of cyborgs that have all these different types of skill sets. So it's been cool to see a little bit more diversity, but. With the Reavers that weren't Donald Pierce, it's a bit more of just like, hey, do you want your left arm or your right arm? Be a cyborg arm. And that's what we're going to fit you with, and you're going to carry a big gun. Trick and question in my head, right? 
Yeah, and it could have been a cool like cameo opportunity to see Lady Deathstrike because she's part of the Reavers as well. Mm. So mm. that might have been pretty cool that maybe instead of X-24, bring out Lady Deathstrike. You know, okay. side note, before I'm going to toss the Jesse, is I, would, I really would love to see a bit more women on that side. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I saw any women in... All, all the only women in this movie, and I'm like thinking this as a holistic approach, right? The only women I saw in this movie were, were loving, caring, positive... Caretakers. Like, caretakers, yeah. Except for X-23. Well, she was, she was loving. She was, she was still. Bitch. She was defending herself, and then she was defending Logan. So she, it, she was defending herself and defending Logan and Professor X. So that still falls under the line of being a caretaker. Jesse, I just wanted to piggyback off Brylan. Yeah. The the same thing with like that. I really wanted to see hear them say call X twenty four Dakin. I was like, just yeah. say Dakin. Just say it, just so that I can be happy with the the comic book tie in. They right. didn't do it. I was like, oh well. Yeah. Same. same he was comment. supposed to be Dakin, though. He oh, was supposed okay, to be Dakin. Sorry. I just wanted to see. We're about to nerd out. <laughs> yeah. Nerd alert. He's definitely Dakin. I just wanted to hear them in the movie say Dakin, and they never did. And I was just pissed about that. Yeah. Alright. I feel you, Jesse. I feel you on that. As a comic fan, I would love to see Wolverine's Bastards uh, Dakin come through. But the whole point of X24, his entire reason for being there, was that. He was representative of the monster that Wolverine had been trying to run had been trying to run away from ever since he joined the X Men. Like before Charles Xavier found him and brought him in and helped like introduce him to this family that he had taught him that he could do more with his powers and who he was. Before that, he was an animal. You know, he would he would go from war to war, from battle to battle, just to fight because that was all he really knew. Um, and that's why X and X twenty four is horrifying for Logan. It's not the fact that he's better and faster, it's the fact that it's him at his worst. And like that's why when when you know he finds uh, Charles dead in the bed and takes him out to the truck of the car, you know, he's looking at uh, Xavier and saying, It wasn't me, it wasn't me. Like that wasn't just him saying, Hey, I wasn't the person to kill you. That's him saying, like, I'm not that person anymore. Like, don't die thinking that I'm that person because you changed me. Um, so that's why uh, so that's where I stand with it not being Dakin I like the fact that it wasn't him fair, so, uh, fair. I like this guy so to say, <laughs> I don't know who this guy is but yeah. two I like this guy on that. first to, to your point on the, the Reavers um, I, I think they needed to keep it small like, they, they, they do it's personal fanboy right I, yeah, I, just don't think yeah, I just want more comic book tie in yeah then Michael just put me in my place so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> The, the other thing is, like, it's funny because I, I don't think they made X-24 big enough, fast enough, strong enough. Like... She's 11. X-24. Oh, X-24. So, I, that was my, my, my big criticism was that, like, it felt that, for the most part, Wolverine was his match. For the most part. Because you had to take in the fact that he was already wounded... And that he was down a peg, and the fact that he held his own. Like, so, I was, you know, greatest thing in the world. Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker leaves his training on Dagobah to go fight Darth Vader. Oof. And Darth Vader owns him. Just completely just toys with him, plays with him, and then you have that big emotional reveal at the end. And he had no right being in that fight. And I think that you could have you could have made X-24 this bigger specter that, like, he completely would own Wolverine if Wolverine went head-to-head -head with him. And then you could have the redeeming moment where he has the kids help him out, even though there's no reason for them to help him. 
and you could have had that moment instead. Like, I think that scene at the farm should have gone completely different with extra... I loved almost every other aspect of it, but I would have loved to have seen X-24 just absolutely just wreck Wolverine there because yeah. it makes the redemption at the end that much more powerful. Mm. I like that. That was literally it for me, though. Like, yeah. it's just... X-24 wasn't scary enough for me. I mean, I, and even kind of even piggyback off of that, I don't really have many sort of criticism of this movie. Um, it really... I really like movies, but also don't like movies when you kind of exclude certain people because I like movies to the fact that everybody can actually share. But for this kind of movie, I think you need to know a little bit about the characters. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, I mean, well, because they're so... The X-Men have been around for, what, 60 or 70 years? No. I think going into... At this point, go, you can't go into a Batman movie without knowing who Batman That's is. That's false. You can't... You, I mean, but you can't... I, well, that was one of the hugest things that I had about Batman versus Superman, the fact that we saw Martha get shot again. Like, it's like, I don't need to see that. I've seen it 900 times. But you can't see that you can't go... You can't. First of all, you can't say you can't do whatever else you go to say because it's not possible. Meaning, there's going to be people that's going to go out there and say, hey, I think this is going to be a very interesting whatever movie. So I'm going to look at it even though I have no idea what's going to happen. I've and this movie, the reason, why I, the reason why I say it in particular, right? Because we all know, we're going to review that this movie, we talk about this movie, how strong and different and impactful that this movie is. And is better than all the other movies. Meaning that this movie is going to be on top of Twitter, Facebook, whatever you ever actually say. So more and more people that probably doesn't necessarily look at this actual sort of um, content will be like, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to actually go watch this movie. Meaning a lot of people who probably ignored the other five, six movies are then going to watch the movie and they're going to feel a bit lost. No, because, yeah, because Wolverine is Wolverine, we started off this, this podcast saying Wolverine came into the forefront when he was the most popular. I'd still say Wolverine is a top five comic book character I would right agree. Now. Absolutely. I'd say if you took your car keys and stuck your keys in between every single one of your fingers and waved it at somebody, they'd be like, ah, Wolverine. Like, they know what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. Like, like, I think they'll say, or don't, don't attack me. Like, or you took butter knives and you put them right. in between all your knuckles. Like, everybody would know. Yeah, oh, it's Wolverine. It's, like, it's, a very it's funny because they went Freddy, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. They made that reference in I mean, the movie. I, so I, think, I was literally going to say Freddy Krueger's Right. Movie. So I think that, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's good to know a little bit about these characters, especially in the world that they created, in the cinematic world. But, like, we've already talked about the fact that they've changed their cinematic rules so many times already. That they, it, you have to know Wolverine can heal and he's got sharpie things that come out of his fists. You don't have to know that Professor X can do stuff with his mind. That's about it. That's about it. Hmm. And that's mostly... That stuff's been covered. Anyone who's in a... What's it called? Uh... Maybe twenty five to forty right now probably saw the X Men cartoons in the nineties. Yeah, and that's a huge demographic of movie going audience. You I know, love those cartoons. Oh yeah, everyone did. They were amazing. And then so like you know you're not you're not bagging on the fact that like sixty five and up is gonna go see X Men. But even then it's like all right, well they grew up with that. Like if you were in the civil rights movement and you were a nerd, you probably you know back in the seventies you. Or 60s, you probably read the X-Men because that's what that, that was about. Yeah. So you have probably have intimate knowledge about those characters already. My mom knew who Wolverine was before I knew who Wolverine was. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Cool. 
Well, I mean, I'm good to know for like my criticisms. And if yeah. Ryan, did you have more? We kind of derailed you. No, that was the only thing I had. Um, I mean, I feel anything like else always is has criticism. Very minor. Like it's just that fanboy dream of like let me see the Reavers <laughs> as the Reavers. That'd have been awesome. Yeah, and keep the like local police force out of it. Just had to be the Reavers. Fair, fair, cool. Yeah. So I mean, I know that we talked about a lot. We talked about the universe. We talked about the overall thoughts and the wins and criticisms. So, here is an, a nice sort of lasting impression as well as grades of. You know, not only how would you grade Logan by itself, but if you could, how would you grade Logan in the MCU universe? But it's not. I know it's not. How would I compare it Are to you this? just saying Correct. in... In yeah. comic book movie dumb. No, no, not comic book movie dumb. Like, if you take Marvel Cinematic Universe, you take all their films, where would you rank it there? Uh, that's unfair, because I'd, I'd compare this more to The Dark Knight than any MCU film. Yeah, I would agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess because so, The Dark Knight. <laughs> so, what do you got, Mike? So, alright, so, first of all, I'm going to make an official proclamation uh, if any of our long-time listeners are listening in right now, and all of our new-time listeners that will go back and maybe listen to some of the other stuff we've done... All the great stuff. Uh, take every grade I've given and just drop it by at least, a, uh, you know, a plus-minus sign, whichever way. Just drop it, if not a full-letter grade. Uh, I'm going to give this movie an A-minus, and I feel like that's what? too... I'll explain. I feel like that's too close to some of the other like grades that I've given, and I feel like I'm I'm trying to with this. I made the unofficial decision with Get Out because I gave that an A, um, and I think that Logan. I think for me an A plus is unattainable. That's like a literally a perfect movie, and that doesn't exist. So Get Out was an A, and I feel like Logan was right under that slot. But I also feel like I think I gave Ghostbusters like a B minus. And that's not like you know a letter grade under the Logan. So like so, just take all of my past things and just drop them. I feel like I'm being too nice to all these movies. Would you give this a A minus? So I give this movie an A minus. I thought that it it hit on technical aesthetics, acting, writing. Uh, I think the one thing that maybe separated. Logan from Get Out was social commentary. That was maybe it. I think that maybe Logan, if you had to put a number on it, it was like a 93, and then Get Out was like 94, 95. You know, like tiny, tiny amount that separated it, but I think that Get Out have that current social commentary that Logan just didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in terms of in terms of comparing it, I mean, there's nothing in the MCU that compares. Like, the closest is maybe Civil War, because it has that, like, small feel. Or Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, but, like, even that's, like, I don't know. I think Marvel, it's, it's, it has its own formula that's, you can't really... I mean, if MCU it. is a little bit difficult, the only reason why I said that, because it was something that was opposite. But if you want to do something like Dark Knight, which I don't think... No, it, I mean, Logan, Logan was... Logan was different. So Dark Knight had the duality of yin and yang. It was Batman, Joker. They each had a little bit of, of themselves in each other. And you could honestly almost say that in Civil War, where like where Steve started off and then where Tony started off, they kind of flip-flopped over yeah. the, the course of the MCU. 
Um, I, I think that Civil War will go down as more being impactful, but also visual. Like, it captured both aesthetics pretty well. And I think Logan is just this entirely different thing, where it really tells, like, a buddy movie and a, a, a development movie. I, I heard a good one that they, they took uh, inspiration from Little Miss Suns Sunshine, for this movie, hmm. like that was one of their, their marquee yeah. movies, um, and the, and it, it feels like that. It feels like that. I oh sorry, I meant to mention this. One of my huge wins was that it did not feel like a comic book movie. The fact that they referenced comics in it was just like a one degree of separation. That like oh this isn't like Iron Man and Captain America and Spider Man swinging around or like Doomsday's in the background and like the Justice League. Half the Justice League has to show up. It felt like. All right, you could have easily given Wolverine a gun and made the exact same movie. It maybe wouldn't have been as impactful because you don't have the, the social aspect of like what mutants mean to society, but you could have given Wolverine a gun and made it the same movie. Cool. Yeah. Well, what you got? Uh, I'm going to give Logan an A+. This is probably... One of the best, if not the best, comic book movies ever made. That is the oh, highest grade. Yeah. That is the highest grade you have <laughs> ever ranked anything. I gave Kubo an A plus as well. Brown, Brown, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you. It's up there, Civil War, Dark Knight. Yeah, it's up there Logan. with Dark Knight. It's up there with, I mean, this is going to be an that important comic Superman. book movie Suicide going Squad. forward. Uh, Winter Soldier. That that is Superman. Superman. Uh, yeah, go, on, get out. Get, go back to your bridge. Um, but, um, I would say, let this be the last, I want this to be the last time we see Hugh Jackman in this role because he's put everything on the plate yeah. for the last 17 years that you can take for this characterization of Wolverine. Fair. I don't want to see Wolverine for a while in movies. And I would actually say, let's wait until something happens where... Either Marvel cuts a deal with Fox or Marvel buys those rights back and get your more comic booky Wolverine that says Bub and Snicked and always has a cigar in his mouth is wearing yellow tights. Then have that one. Uh, have he that. Or, wait, wait. He grabs the cigars yeah. in the... I like how he yells at her for stealing and then steals. steals. <laughs> uh, um, so uh. one thing on that... Um, I so I'm so torn, and I, I don't know if you've responded. I mean, Chill is like like the Avengers version of Wolverine. So if you have if you see read the comic books when Wolverine's a part time Avenger, when he's with the Avengers, it's a little bit different than Wolverine as Wolverine. Well, because so he Jackman clearly is at a stage in his acting career that he can pick and choose. Yeah, you know he did Logan because he. Saw what they wanted to do and said, yes, this is this is the movie that I want to tell. And I think that uh, he's on record saying, like, I want to be an Avenger. He's also saw what they did with Deadpool and would say, hey, maybe this would be fun. So I am so torn because I'm with you. Like, I think this should be the end of Wolverine. I don't want to see him recast in the next X-Men movie. I don't at all. Like, they're making another one, but, like... I just, I don't want to see Tom Hardy in it. I don't want to see Ugh. Warren Yeah, I was just reading about Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, like, he's been like, yeah, I just don't oh, want to see, man. I don't want to see anyone in that role because, like, again, 16, 17 years, we've seen the same person. Uh, but I also would love to see what we saw in Logan play off Deadpool. 
That'd be pretty. Or cool. or imagine like, all right, cool. So like ten come. years before this moment of Logan. Yeah. Or or imagine like an X Force with whoever they get Cable, you know, to play Cable and make those three. Plus, you could bring in X twenty three and like kind of make that a weird relate. Like it'd just be a. It'd She'll be, a be weird... hanging out with uh, what is it? Nuclear teenage warheads. Yeah. Or imagine like now that we have Doctor Strange, which is I'm okay with it. Let's just be on record, but basically a Tony Stark clone, you know, and so you throw in one more personality with Wolverine in that. Like, I would love to see that. I just don't want to see it immediately. I don't want to see it next year. Give it time. Jesse, what you got? I'd give it an A minus. However, however, I'd still say it's probably number seven, number number five to seven on my favorite comic book movies. What do you got above it? What do I got above it? Um, Top three. Top three. I would put Iron Man one... uh, Dark Knight, uh, Blade Three, Spawn. <laughs> yo, I mean, he's, yo, he's talking that truth. Uh, actually, the Phantom. I, I would put the Civil Phantom's War terrible. up there. I yeah. would put uh, Winter Soldiers on my top five. Yeah. But actually, I would probably put Logan on number five, probably. Yeah. Five. Solid number five. Yeah. Cool. Um, I really liked it. By the way, I thought of another criticism. I was hoping so much. He would do a fastball special with X twenty three. Comic book fans, anybody? Nope. Yeah. I mean, the only time you see fastball special yeah. is with Colossus. Mocha. Yeah. yeah. You I'm gotta have someone like I, Colossus. I was expecting. I was expecting him to be so like, he hey, them, right? Know, yeah. 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 Wolverine gets thrown all the time in the comics. Oh, so they could have thrown X twenty three. He gets thrown a couple well, times. Colossus they kind of do that with she jumps off his. She back. She jumps up his back, yeah. but I, I thought he'd be like, hey kid, you want to be a fastball? <laughs> and just throw her, and I'd be like. I don't know. But I don't think he was strong. I wanted that little moment. But that would have been like if he would have taken the serum and be like just fucking threw her into the That would have been that would have been cool. Just as a wink. It would be a really terrible dad if he did that. (laughs) (laughs) But throw him at a man with guns. Yeah, but is he really a dad though? He didn't consent. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, father's hard. You're right. Mo- Mo- like Mocha, how about your boy? Tell me about the grades you got. Uh, all right, so you know, after some some deep thought, I'm gonna go with an A for this film. And I started I started an A minus, and I changed it uh, probably about an hour ago. Um, but it's just all right. This movie elevates the entire bar for all comic book movies, at least on the Marvel side. Uh, to a place that it hasn't gotten to yet. You know, I love comic book movies. I take no shame in getting a lot of enjoyment from seeing, like, fun, action-packed movies. But the biggest criticism with comic book movies is, oh, it's for kids. Or, oh, like, a serious movie watcher or someone who's looking for a serious story wouldn't look at a comic book movie. And this shatters that paradigm entirely. Hmm. It's a real story about a man at the end of his fucking line who's just tired and is trying to do the best while he's still on this earth. And I think that that's really cool, and like that alone, like gets it up a, a, a bit. Um, I was also like, it was really, really freaking layered. Like I know I mentioned this before, but there's so much to this movie, so so much, and I could probably talk on and on about all the little details from the fact that you know X23's entire character in the story was a shrunken down version of Logan's life story, like being a bestial man and meeting Charles and being brought into a family and then becoming human at the end. Um, but like. To, to Blewett's point, Blewett mentioned earlier, oh, there wasn't enough social commentary or any social commentary, and I completely disagree. Here's why. X-23 is a little Mexican girl, 
And the entire story is, hey, let's get this mess- this little Mexican girl across the border so oh. she can have a better life. While the oh, American- shit. oh, damn. So, yeah. I thought, so I thought about that. So I thought about that. <laughs> Goddamn! Mocha, Mocha. So I thought about Mocha that, killed. but the movie was shot before the current administration. Didn't matter. And the movie was written before the current administration. So they wrote it. it wait, but you think the, this current administration is when it started to be rough for Mexicans? <laughs> well, I mean. It's been happening for this, a while. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay, okay. I will say this. No, 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 no. Um, I love you all. Continue. It's gotten. Let's just say it's gotten worse in the last couple months. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. That's that's yeah. the only reason I didn't write it as like a a super social commentary because uh, like like what Get Out is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there was that there, but like I don't think like if this movie came out in twenty eighteen, yes, I would completely agree with you. That that is a completely valid point. It was written before this whole fiasco of a government right. started. So how about this then? So it's not a race thing, right? Let's talk about this social commentary. We're in a time where you know the baby boomer generation is getting old, and a lot of, we have a lot of elderly adults who require a lot of care. And this movie, at least the first half of it, is partly about this man really stressed out and struggling with scraping by and doing whatever he can to make the money to take care of his old. Um, like mentally losing it father figure and then suddenly this child gets dropped on his lap and now he has to balance both new generations while still maintaining true to who he is as a person that's fair that's, that's, awesome. awesome. that's fair I don't know I don't know who this guy is <laughs> but I, love, I, I, I like this guy yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean, the driver doesn't really pay for the medical I mean, was, that was, it was I mean it was definitely it was definitely a win I would say that was the separation between I thought that it that was the separation between something like Logan and something like Get Out, and that's that's all I'm saying is that I don't think that that was, but I don't also don't think that that was the point of the movie. No, definitely not. Right. Definitely so not. and so but I, it's it's an element. Right. Exactly. But I don't think it was. I I don't think it, it's for me. It didn't score high enough to bump it up the two percentage points to get up to an A. It was and the that's same. It. it was the same. Yeah, and like I said, I felt like it was an A minus two initially, but I think if you take a step back and look at what this does for the entire cinematics, like escape you know there's there's no longer there's no longer like ground for someone to stand on and say oh comic book movies are just for kids or oh superhero movies are just for kids you have the dark knight you have logan you've got these really compelling character studies that uh, just completely spit in the face of people saying that it's just bullshit for kids and i think that that elevates it to an a for me to be to be fair on that point uh, i think the, at the, at this juncture the only people that are saying that the comic book movies are for kids are literally like the Academy Awards, and that's it. Because if you look at the the highest grossing films of all times, it's like Star Wars, Avatar, and a couple Marvel movies. Yeah, but also like Saw one or Saw two or three probably made more money than uh, freaking Moonlight in theaters. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. So that's what I'm saying. That like I think at this we've reached, but so for that I think we've reached a juncture where that it's not like embarrassing. To go to a comic book movie because these things oh, make mo- these things make money because people see them. I don't think that's what Mocha's trying to get. Right, the, I th- you're you're that right. It's, Marvel has this formula that there's a universal appeal, so yeah, everybody's gonna go see it and have a fun time. But when you need to tell like a more serious thing or a yeah. social commentary, or if you want to talk about, they're like, not gonna be there. Hey, yeah. shit's gonna happen. 
that you may or may not appreciate or like in this movie, that they're not going to be afraid to do that now. So that's just going to grow where you can go with comic book movies. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with you, Blue. Like this, you're right. This, um, the Oscars is sort of like the last frontier for this genre of movies, and I don't think this movie has a chance at doing anything meaningful in the 2017 Oscars. But it's, it's the first real step. No, it's, it's rough because they were a lot of earlier reviews were saying that uh, saying that they might have a shot at either best actor or best original screenplay. I don't. I after seeing this movie, I don't think it has a shot at that. But we'll see. Maybe Maybe cool. Just yeah, I like makeup. makeup. I do like makeup. <laughs> I mean, I would add um, a couple of things that my grade uh, for this movie, going off of, I mean, I, I really like this movie. This movie is an A for me. I can't give it an A plus um, because there was a couple of things that didn't quite like, but um, overall, is I, I really feel that maybe they know... And they mean the Fox or whoever owns the actual production. They Fox. know how to make or they... Uh, oh, sorry? It's Fox. It's Is Fox. It, oh, that's not yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Fox. Um, they now know, like, okay, cool. They know the things that work. Does yeah. the thing that works makes it an R-rated movie? No, not necessarily. No. But do the concepts and the things they talk about make it an R-rated movie? No. But the concepts makes it so that they, they know what people want to actually go watch. Probably. Because this was a very complex story, and it was very interesting. Um, and I feel like they really try to grasp on that sort of aspect of it. So, um, I give, I definitely give it an A. I thoroughly enjoy this movie so much. I enjoy the violence, because I, I love the violence, just seeing it on screen, because I felt like it should have been there the entire time. But at the same time, I, I do thoroughly enjoy the character development and the actual craft of... What's happening to each character, even to the point where Laura went from somebody who doesn't speak to having some of the more prophetic lines ever um, in this entire movie. So I thought that was a very powerful sort of um, delivery for that. So yeah, I and think I think for that. And one thing to add on that, I think the bravado that Fox has shown with Deadpool in this movie of take play. Let's do these stories that may or may not appeal to everyone but let's just make good movies out of them. I hope they take that into um, to, into the next X-Men movie and like kind of have that get influenced because um, that's the whole thing about X-Men is kind of like making tough choices and talking about the things that you may be afraid of talking about. It is about civil rights. It is about um, what does it mean to be a little different but also be able to be represented and find your place in the world as a whole as well. Yeah. And cool. so I hope they take a lot of those lessons into the next X-Men movie just to make it as good of a movie as possible. And I really hope that. And I'll be super, super pumped because, you know, I'll be literally one of the first people in line. Yeah. And with that, I would say, thank you, everybody. Thank you. I think this was awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, want, I would love... The, to love to thank Jesse so much, Jesse, just for having us and making us be able to come to your apartment just to kind of hang out. I mean, you could always tell commute in. Apparently, it works well. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> uh, but also, our special guest, the Mocha, the Man, the Myth, 
Guys, the, the thank leash. you so much. This has been a blast. Um, I'm really proud to say that the first time I was ever on a podcast was for Down in Front. You guys are awesome, hey. and I hope you continued success. Hey, Mocha, where can we find more of your work? Whether it's Twitter, Tumblr, what you got? Where can yeah, we find you can you? find some really shitty jokes at, uh, at Mocha Mike L-I on Twitter. Um, that's L-I for Long Island. There's some like 50 year old asshole with at Mocha Mike who won't give it up (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that in the bio fuck that guy also instagram.com Mocha Mike I do my photography there please check it out nice nice. thanks so much Brylon where can we find more of your work Uh, you'll find me on twitter at Brylon B-R-I-L-U-N-D more shitty jokes to go along with Mocha Mike's Um, also um You'll find me on uh, Instagram. I got one of those now. It's yeah, you do. Island. Nice. And I'll post random pictures and cool quotes of people I like and stuff. Uh, and I'm on Tinder. <laughs> I'm <gonna> yeah! Be- <laughs> Embrace it! Embrace it! <laughs> Ladies, I'm on no- Tinder. Noise. <laughs> Jesse, where can you find Mario Worker? What are you watching on YouTube? I'm totally off I'm off the grid, man. I'm not I'm not listed anywhere. But what are you watching on YouTube? What am I watching on YouTube? Yeah. Uh Nothing right now. Alright. I wasn't watching anything on YouTube. I thought you were. No. Before. <laughs> no, I wasn't watching anything on YouTube. Uh, Mr. Senor Blewett, uh, how's your boy? Uh, so, my news, just look us up. Just don't, make sure you have the right space. Come Because, like, you might get a completely different webpage. Um, we're playing two weeks from now, so if you're in the Boston area and you're looking for some punk rock... Which no one is, because no one listens to that genre anymore. Uh, check us out. <laughs> um, I saw a cool. I saw a cool slogan for my news on Instagram. It's my news is Uranus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's 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 Uranus. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say things that come out. Um, things that I'm actually a part of. My name is Lauren, and uh, one of our good friends from the actual show itself. He actually has a show coming up. Um, the Ryan Dowds has a show as well as the um, Kyle Kowalski, so we can definitely check that out. And I'm going to link it to the actual show notes here. Um, in which case, for us, you know, we have a Patreon, so Patreon.com/slash/downinfront. Uh, please feel free because we have an amazing, amazing way to raise a bit more money to have uh, Jesse go on his first Tinder date. So we're really excited about that. <laughs> and we also want to make sure that Kyle actually dyes his hair black. And yes. That means all his hair. Take it what you will. There's so, left. Right? Oh, that. Oh, oh damn! No, no, no. You still got it where it counts. Yeah. <laughs> you cold blooded. Um, so we have a we have a Reddit. So red, uh, down in front at Reddit.com. That's really awesome. Typically, you're probably gonna find us out of Twitter. So we have at underscore difp. That's at underscore down in front podcast. It's super 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 fun. We've been tweeting a lot more of like the ap- new episodes and things that's actually happening, especially now because we're gonna be really focusing on Game of Thrones and the things that are coming out in the next maybe a few months. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we have a Facebook, so we're on to have a Facebook page, um, as well as we have an email, so downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com, and our Facebook page is Down in Front of Podcast. So feel free to kind of find us and kind of ha- hang out with us as well. Uh, for me, as of Warren, I have another side project, another side chick, I wouldn't say that, but uh, we also have a uh, sip to that, or it says Friends with Blends, in which case we go through, we go review 
talk about wines, different food pairings, and uh, as long as you all know, one of our good, good friends and partner of Friends of Blends is currently applying and thinking of he's going to actually get a new position, in which case he'll be the digital manager of a huge company in Minnesota, so it's really awesome. Okay, well, yeah, so I would say... Uh, Let's go, Derek. You got it. You got it, bud. I very, very appreciate you and I very, very believe in you. So that would be awesome. So thank you, Derek. Thank you so much for everything you do. And um, I would say thank you so much for everybody who listened to us. And uh, I am Warren. And I will sign off for this. So thanks. And good night, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Magneto was right. <laughs> <laughs>